0: we're in lesson 48. That's our last lesson. We're going to look at chapter 28, 31 verses and end out the discussion of Paul's ministry, actually the book of Acts. We're going to end out and, and it ends with Paul coming to Rome. Now this is a very important lesson because I need you to understand that One group claims that Peter started the church at Rome, and that is the Roman Catholic Church. Now, they have a reason for doing that, and that's because they need to do that to validate the authority of the Pope, okay, who is, to be honest with you, the Bishop of Rome is another one of his titles, uh, and specifically is pastor. Okay, so for instance, like when you go to, if you use a King James Bible, if you go to 1 Timothy
1: it talks about an overseer what some translations say but it will say bishop
0: so in the early church the pastor of the church was also called the overseer or the bishop or the elder do you understand what I'm saying so the pastor of the church of Rome was the bishop of Rome now we'll talk about this when we look at this next week but the issue I want you to see is is that They claim claim to have the authority over all Christianity. Well, they've always done that for centuries. Not everybody, most of the other groups, don't acknowledge college. And there was a reason why they did that. And that was because Rome was the imperial city. Okay? The imperial city. And so, you're going to see that what we find is, is that the church wasn't started in Rome by Paul. By Paul or Peter. There were already Christians there. Do you understand what I'm saying? There were already Christians there. We've already seen that in the book of Acts anyhow when we talk about Priscilla and Aquila because they had to leave Rome and came to Ephesus because of a disturbance in Rome and Emperor Emperor Claudius threw out all the Jews. And history says that the reason why there was a disturbance is because of some fellow by the name of Christus, which is close to what we would say is Christ. Okay? So there was obviously a Christian influence and a Christian existence in Rome before, quote, they say, even before Peter got there. Okay? Peter got there. So, let's take a look. We're going to look at chapter 28, and we're going to start off first of all, we're going to be shipwrecked on the island of Malta, so look with me at verses 1 to 10. Now, when they had escaped, they found out that the the land was, the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire, and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling, and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hands. So when the natives saw the creature hanging on his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live but he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region, there was an estate of a leading citizen of the island whose name was Plutus who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Louis lay sick with fever and disappeared. Paul went to him and prayed and then laid hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those in the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Okay, so let's take a look here. First of all, they escape to Malta. After escaping the sinking ship, they found themselves on the island of Malta. Okay? So they find themselves on the island of Malta. The inhabitants showed kindness to the survivors by welcoming them with a fire. That's pretty significant. I mean... They obviously know there's been a shipwreck, there's survivors, it's a storm. Remember, I told you it's a cyclone. So you've just been in it. It's winter. You've just been in the shipwreck, and you're going to be cold, so they have a fire going. While Paul was gathering sticks for the fire, a snake was stirred by the heat and bit Paul. In fact, the text says it was just kind of hanging there on his arm on his hand. All right. So, obviously, they're cold-blooded animals, the heat would cause them to stir up, and it bites Paul. The inhabitants said that Paul was a murderer because he was still facing justice. All right, so why did they come to that conclusion? So, first of all, <laughs> once they get to the shore, the soldiers are there, Paul's still a prisoner, right? So he's probably got a guard. So everybody who's there, even if they don't know the story of Paul, let's see, uh, he's some kind of criminal. He's a prisoner. Well, then what happens is, is, this fire, you know, the fire, he's putting logs on the fire, sticks on the fire. He gets a snake latch onto him. Their first thought is, this is justice. He escaped the scene. He must be a murderer. This is justice. He escaped the scene. And therefore... He is facing justice now, even though he escaped the sea. So their first assumption is, is that as he had a problem, as he went through a difficulty, there must be a reason for it, and the reason must be what sin. Now, stop for a moment. Isn't that has anything changed as far as human perception when bad stuff happens? No. When we see somebody going through something, I, even Christians, I know Christians do this a lot. Let's say there is um, Jane Doe, and Jane Doe in the church has a catastrophe happen in her life. And she goes to church, and then some of the people in the church they may not say it out loud, but they're thinking it, or maybe talking among themselves, and they'll say, I wonder what Jane did. Jane must have done something bad for her to have that happen. Isn't that what we think? Isn't that what happens? You know, because we, our first concept is is bad stuff happens to you when there's sin. So for instance, remember in the Gospels, is the Gospel of John. Jesus and the disciples are walking by. They see a guy who's been blind from birth. And the disciples ask Jesus, who sinned? Did he sin at birth from one of his parents? Is that the reason why he's blind? And Jesus said, neither. He's blind so that God can be what? Glorified. It's not because this person did something Think about that. Can a baby sin in the womb to cause blindness when it's born? Do you understand what I'm saying? that's the kind of theological tricks that we play with ourselves. That's what these natives were doing. They're not even Christians. Their automatic assumption is that this guy must be a really bad guy. Even though he escaped the sea, justice has found him. So they're kind of waiting for Paul to kill over and die. So after shaking the snake off into the fire, Paul suffered no effect from the bite. Now this has to be a miracle, doesn't it? Because it's a viper. And pagans obviously know what kind of snake it is, and that's why they're expecting him to die. But it doesn't affect Paul. It doesn't affect him at all. So after waiting for Paul to die, the inhabitants concluded that he must be a god. So the back natural assumption is, okay, it's not because of sin. The guy's not dead because he must be a god something special about him. Something special about him. Now, they were entertained by a leading citizen on Malta named Kudels. So for some reason, the leading citizen, maybe he had the biggest house in the area that he contained all these, because remember, there's 200-some of them. He maybe has enough facilities to take them in and care for them, so they were entertained by Plutus. Now, Paul laid hands on Plutus' sick father and healed him. Now, his father had, uh, it says here, that he had uh, some sort of disease and dysentery. Now, you and I maybe, you know, when somebody had diarrhea here, we don't normally see people in our area dying of diarrhea. Is that correct? Not in the United States. If you go overseas, completely different story. Even to this day, dysentery is a major killer of people in the rest of the world. It was obviously a big issue back then. So it was something that you guys were going to die. Paul goes in, prays over him, lays hands on him, and he's healed. Now, let me just stop for a He just healed the father of the leading citizen on the island. You think word gets out about that? Must add to it, everybody knows he got bit by a viper. Okay? He got bit by a viper and survived, so they think he's already, some of them think he's a what? God. What do you think happens? The rest of those who were sick on the island were brought to Paul and were healed. So all of a sudden you've got this mad rush to bring all these sick people who are on the island to Paul to be healed. That's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. Now think about it. The opportunity now that Paul has to what? Yeah, to preach the gospel you understand? He's just not there for healing ministry. Paul's there for the ultimate healing of the people, for the healing of their souls. So this is an opportunity for him to share with them the gospel. Okay? So Paul and his companions were treated with honor and were supplied for their journey. So, I mean, it looks like a terrible situation. They get shipwrecked. But now, remember now, here's the thing. This is God taking care of him. Remember, I told you what it's like to be a prisoner in love. Who's taking care of you while you're in custody? Yes, I mean, family and friends. The government's not going to take care of you. So God works it out for them to have supplies for the rest of their journey. Isn't that amazing how God works out situations? Okay? Isn't that amazing? That's just God. So notice now, we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about the final passage, okay? And some of these names are Latin names, and they are beyond me, so we'll, we'll attempt, okay? Look with me at verse 11. So after three months, stop for a moment, they stayed on Malta three months. Why do you think they stayed on Malta three months? Yeah, it's winter. Do you think they want to go back in the ocean and try to make a journey now? No, they're going to wait for better weather, okay? After three months we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there we circled around and reached Regium. And with, and after one day the south wind blew, and the next day we came to Petulio where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went towards Rome. And from there, when brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as a, a of oil and three ends. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Now, when they came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Right, we're going to stop it. We'll go on to verse 17 in the minute. So let's take a look here. A couple of things. Number one, they traveled by sea until they reached Tituli, where they stayed seven days with the Christians. Alright, now stop. There are, here we are, we already see. We're not in Rome, but we're in Italy. Well, before that, first of all, it says Syracuse, so that you understand what Syracuse is, it's not talking about New York. It's talking about the island of Sicily. So they went from Malta to Sicily, and then they took a journey from there up into Italy, the peninsula of Italy. Okay? So they traveled until they reached Pretuli, where they stayed seven days with Christians. And again, notice something they're already meeting Christians in Italy. They're already meeting Christians in Italy. Christians heard about Paul and met with him along the way to Rome. So the word has gotten out that the Apostle Paul is there, and people are coming out to meet him. The Christians gave Paul courage, and he thanked God for them. So what do they do? They encourage him. They strengthen him while he's there. Their presence, he's strengthened by that. So he's realized, I'm not alone in this. There are other people who believe as me. There are other people who love me and care for me here. So when they get to Rome, it's interesting. The prisoners were delivered, but notice what they did with Paul. This is why God's grace is there. In Rome, Paul was permitted to live by himself with a Roman guard. So Paul could stay anywhere in Rome, being cared for by the people from the church, he can, make, he can He's a tent maker. He can make you do a trade for himself. He just has to have a Roman soldier with him. Okay? A Roman soldier with him. Now, it's interesting. When you read Paul's letters, he makes it very clear when he sends greetings to the churches. Sometimes in his letters, he'll send greetings from the soldiers who were with him. So you think some soldiers got saved while they were with Paul? He at one point will say from Caesar's household. That's from people who are in serving Caesar. So Paul's got an influence. Okay, Paul has an influence. Now I want you to notice how an interesting thing that happens. Look with me at verse seventeen to twenty-nine. Paul has visitors. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or our customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal, appeal to Caesar that not that I had anything, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see, to see you, and to speak with you, because the hope of Israel I am bound to this chain. When he had said this to them, then they said to him, "We neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think." For concerning this set, we know that it is spoken against everything. Notice Numbers verse 23.
1: So when they had appointed him a the day, they came to him at his lodging.
0: To whom he explained and solidified the testimony of the kingdom, and persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they were not, when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul said one, after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet, to our Father, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will not hear, and shall not understand. Seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. The ears are hard of hearing. Their ears are hard of hearing. And their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their ears and hear Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Okay, so let's take a look here. I think it's interesting what Paul does. Remember his pattern What's his pattern whenever he went to the city when he was on a missionary journey? Going to the synagogue, but now Paul's a prisoner. He's got some freedom, but he doesn't necessarily have all freedom, and he doesn't want to create a problem by going to a synagogue and having to walk this right? So what does he do instead? Notice what he do. what he does. He called the Jewish leaders in Rome to meet with him they he's still following his pattern, but this time, rather than going to the synagogue and the possibility of creating a ruckus, he calls the Jewish leaders to come to him, which they did. Okay? Which they did. He explained his case to the leaders, and they replied that his case was new to them. So he said, this is what's going on, this is why I'm here, I appeal to Caesar. And they said, well, we haven't heard anything about you. We haven't heard any report. We've had people come from Jerusalem. they never said anything about you. So they don't know anything about his situation. Okay? The Jewish leaders don't know anything about his situation, the Jewish leaders in Rome. They want to hear from Paul concerning the sect, which is opposed everywhere. Now I think that's a key point I want to make to you. Remember I told you that the church existed in Rome... Before the apostles got there, remember I said that to you. Okay, this verse is a proof of it. Why? Because they want to hear from Paul an explanation concerning this sect, the way the Christians. You understand what I'm saying? The, na- the sect of the Nazarene. Because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Paul. Christianity, at this point, by the time Paul gets to Rome, it's everywhere. It's an influence. So, the apostles didn't start the church in Rome, it's already there. And the Jews want to have an understanding of it. These Jews in Rome wanted to have an understanding of it. So, on an appointed day, Paul showed them from the scriptures the reality of Jesus as the Messiah. So on an appointed day, they all gathered in his lodgings again, and he showed them from the scripture that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus had to suffer. Okay? Now, notice the reaction. We've seen this reaction before. Some leaders believed, and others rejected what Paul was saying. Some leaders believed, And others rejected what Paul was saying. I think this is a good point to make a point here. I think every single one of us, including myself, has to come to a place where we recognize a reality in sharing the gospel with our friends and our family. Here's the reality. Some will believe, and some will reject. That's just reality. You know, a church has got to wake up to it. We're not going to have everybody be happy with us. We're not going to have everybody be happy with what we believe. They're not going to be happy with the message of the gospel. It said, in fact, Paul told the Corinthians that the message of the cross, the cross that Jesus had to die on the cross, was foolishness to the Gentiles and a stumbling block to the, Greeks and to the Jews. Here's the thing. Foolishness to the Gentiles and a stumbling block to the Jews. Why? He that the Messiah had to die and be crucified. So... Here we see, some of the leaders believe, others rejected. Now notice now, here's what it happens. They departed when Paul, from Paul when he proclaimed that salvation had been sent to the Gentiles. Now that even adds to a greater problem. See, it's not just that Jesus is the Messiah that they're rejecting. They're rejecting that idea. But as soon as Paul said the word, notice that the text says that. As soon as he said the word that he was sent to who? Gentiles. They left. They got out of it. They were upset. And notice what it said. They disputed among themselves on the way out. They were fussing and arguing with themselves. Who was fussing? Those who accepted. Those who rejected. They were fussing at themselves. What's the big issue? That all of a sudden now God has opened up salvation to who? Gentiles. Now, who's Gentiles, folks? You and I. See, that's what the big issue is. That's ultimately what the big issue is. Now, so I want you to notice that Paul has a ministry of Rome. You see that in the last verses, verse 30. Then Paul dwelt two years in his own rented house and received all who he came to him. So he saved this rented house. And he didn't have, he had some freedom to stay in his own place, but obviously not a freedom to Around. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching things which concern the Lord Jesus with all confidence, no one forbidding him. We had total freedom to preach whatever he wanted. People came to visit him in the era. So I want you to see: Paul stayed for two years in his own rented house and ministered to all who visited him. Now, who do you think to him pay that rent? The brothers, Christians. They helped him. Okay? They helped him. He preached about the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to all. That's how they act with the